Hi everyone, I'm your host Alex, and welcome back to Narcosis Into the Deep. First, I just want to say thank you to everyone that's listened to the podcast so far. I never expected it to get this much attention, and I just really, really appreciate everyone being here. With so many people listening in, I got a lot of feedback on the first episode, so I wanted to cover some questions, concerns, and clarifications about episode 1, The Blue Hole, and I'm going to try my hardest to break everything down as best as possible for our non-diver listeners. Before I begin, I just want to clarify, I'm a certified recreational open water scuba diver, I'm not a diving instructor, and I'm also not a dive master. I got open water certified when I was 11 years old, almost 16 years ago now, and diving has always been a huge passion of mine. I don't claim to know everything about scuba diving, so it's really great to get feedback from other, far more experienced divers so I can make these corrections and clarifications for our non-diver listeners. Most of the time when researching anything specific about scuba diving, you really have to know at least a little bit about the topic in order to get the right answer, so I do my best to bring you the most factual and up-to-date information. Jumping into the meat of this bonus episode, the main question I got from listeners was why didn't Yuri drop his extra weights? Well, at this point, I can only speculate. My theory is, is that his inexperience caused him to panic and all rational thinking went right out the window. It's important to remain calm when you're underwater and assess your situation continuously. Now, that's easier said than done, and unfortunately, we're never going to know exactly what was going on in Yuri's mind during his descent. Also, I purposely didn't mention this in the first episode, but the 7-minute recording that Yuri made of his accidental death is available on YouTube. Viewer discretion is advised. I will not link the video anywhere here or on any of the social media accounts for this podcast, as I personally don't believe anyone should watch it. It's a very tragic video, and what happened to Yuri was horrible, and I cannot stress this enough. Viewer discretion is advised. Going back to the first episode, I gave an example of what can happen to a diver if they ascend to the surface too quickly. The specific example that I gave was an arterial air embolism, and I mistakenly said oxygen was the contributor, rather than nitrogen. Because oxygen does not form air bubbles, it binds to the red blood cells in your body, it cannot create the bubbles that block the blood flow. The gas that's truly at fault for this is nitrogen, not oxygen. Since I didn't expect the podcast to become as popular as it did, I didn't elaborate into the safety aspects as much as I would have liked to. It can get real technical real fast, and I didn't want to ward off any non-diver listeners. I'm going to explain more safety information here and simplify it as best as I can. While 200 or more people have lost their lives to the Blue Hole in Tahab, Egypt, the vast majority know their diving limits and they're very, very safety conscious. If you're a relatively healthy person without any pre-existing conditions, scuba diving is actually very, very safe. Most divers don't need to go past a depth of 30 feet or 9 meters under the surface to experience the gorgeous sea life and the colorful coral. To be able to scuba dive, you first need to complete your certification course, and these courses are going to teach you everything you need to know in order to dive safely. Again, I'm not a diving instructor, so I can only hit the high notes here, and the information I'm going to present is not enough to prepare you for scuba diving you must complete a certification course first. If you're nervous about diving out in the open water, please know that these courses are going to train you in a swimming pool first, and a good diving instructor will never take you out into the open ocean until you're ready. If you don't feel ready or if you're experiencing any anxiety, which is completely normal, please talk to your diving instructor about it and they can help you. It's important to remain transparent with your instructor or guide at all times. 
As mentioned in episode 1, the blue hole is actually a type of cave. And special certifications are needed in order to go cave diving because open water certifications don't provide all the necessary training and safety information needed to enter a cave. Recreational open water divers are only certified to a max depth of 130 feet or 60 meters, and deep diving is considered anything past 60 feet or 20 meters. When diving outside the certified recreational depth limits, which again is 130 feet or 60 meters, a special air mixture is needed as well as a technical scuba certification. PADI, which stands for Professional Association of Diving Instructors, offers a Tech 100 CCR diver course, and this course allows divers to go to a depth of 330 feet or 100 meters. For those not aware, PADI and SSI, or Scuba Schools International, are the most popular types of scuba certifications and they're recognized globally. You can contact your local dive shop to see which certifications they offer, but just know that PADI and SSI both contain the same safety information. Most divers I personally know are PADI certified, but I myself have an SSI certification. Recreational divers use compressed air, which contains about 21% oxygen and 79% nitrogen. With this normal, compressed air, oxygen toxicity can occur if you dive past 180 feet, or about 55 meters, and therefore a special air mixture is needed called trimix. There's different variations of trimix, and they all contain either the same amount or less oxygen than the normal compressed air that shallow recreational divers use. This trimix air has a pretty self-explanatory name because it contains a third gas, helium. Helium is an inert gas, meaning it doesn't react with our bodies the way that oxygen or nitrogen does. In order to reach depths of 330 feet or 100 meters, divers would need to use a 10-70 mixture, meaning that the air would contain 10% oxygen, 70% helium, and 20% nitrogen. But just as a reminder, divers will need to complete numerous tech courses in order to be able to use this type of air mixture. So as you can see, with all the extra training courses that are required to achieve such incredible depths, the divers attempting to swim the Blue Holes Underwater Cathedral are very trained and very experienced. However, even the most experienced diver can have the chance of encountering issues while underwater. When investigating Yuri's death, nothing I found online explicitly stated what oxygen concentration he was using, and therefore I didn't want to mention it in the episode as I didn't want to mistakenly provide any false information. Because Yuri was only 22 years old at the time of his death, I find it relatively easy to say that he did not have the proper training to dive the blue hole in Egypt, and his lack of experience and overconfidence is ultimately what cost him his life. When discussing the 26 pounds or 12 kilograms of lead weights that Yuri had on him for his dive, I stated that Yuri should have ditched his extra weight once he realized he was unable to control his downward speed. As I mentioned in episode 1, I only keep my weights on a dive belt and can ditch 100% of my extra weight in the event of emergency. Now, depending on which diver you're talking to, their opinions regarding this is going to change. Experienced diver Caitlin Wilson pointed out to me on Reddit that her dives typically are in colder waters found in the Midwest USA. Because colder water is more dense, and therefore more buoyant or floaty for lack of a better term, more weight is required in colder waters than in warmer waters. Because Caitlin requires more weights in the colder water, she keeps her extra weights split between a dive belt and the extra pockets found on her BC or buoyancy compensator. This allows her to ditch some of her weights, but not all of them, in the event of an emergency. For my non-diver listeners, you might be asking yourself why this is. 
Why not just ditch 100% of your extra weight and return to the surface as fast as possible if you are experiencing an emergency? Well, an arterial air embolism is far from the only complication that can occur while diving. One thing that your diving class is going to drill into your head is to never, ever hold your breath when you're diving. As I mentioned in episode 1, atmospheric pressure affects the gases in your body. A simple rise of 10 feet or 3 meters when you're underwater while holding your breath can cause damage to your lungs. To better describe this, let's say while you're deep underwater, you fill a balloon up to almost its max capacity. You then start to swim up back to the surface with your balloon. As you go up, the atmospheric pressure that's pushing down on this balloon is slowly going to decrease. When that happens, the balloon is going to get bigger and bigger the more you ascend. When you get back to the surface, this balloon is now going to be way past its recommended capacity, if not already ruptured. Now think of your lungs as this balloon. The same thing happens when you hold your breath while ascending to the surface. Some divers don't recommend ditching 100% of your weight because this can cause lung damage, decompression sickness, also known as the bends, or other life-threatening complications if you rise to the surface too quickly. There are a lot of factors at play when you're considering complications, such as how long you've been underwater, how deep you are, the time spent at your maximum depth, and if you've done any safety stops yet. In my personal opinion, when discussing Yuri's situation, I fully believe that he should have ditched 100% of his weight. He might have experienced some injuries, but if he ditched those weights and released air from his lungs when ascending to the surface, he could have easily saved his life. Just to reiterate, it is true that if he had done this, he could have experienced other complications. But if this had been the case, he could have quickly seeked emergency services and been sent to a hospital with a hyperbaric chamber. If you're unfamiliar with a hyperbaric chamber, it's a large device that can fit one or more people, depending on its size, that will slowly increase or decrease the atmospheric pressure inside the chamber. For divers experiencing decompression symptoms, they can get into one of these chambers while they'll dive down to then slowly be brought back up to surface level atmospheric pressure. And for my claustrophobic crowd, please know that the modern ones that I've seen are usually completely clear and there's always at least one person in the room with you at all times to make sure that you're safe. But getting back to Yuri, the way I view his situation is this. He held onto his weights and unfortunately died. If he had ditched them, he could have potentially saved his life while risking some complications. Now which of these two options would you choose? The last safety aspect I want to discuss here in this episode is regarding the maintenance of your scuba diving gear. And shout out to Laura on Imgur for bringing this up. If you don't know this, salt water eats away at your dive gear and can be very, very destructive. After each dive, you need to thoroughly clean your gear and make sure that it's completely dried before stowing it away. It is possible that Yuri did not maintain his gear properly, and that's what caused the equipment failure of his pressure relief valve as discussed in episode 1. But as that's not explicitly mentioned anywhere, I didn't mention it in the last episode. But it's always important to have your dive gear expected at least once per year by a professional. One of the industry standards for scuba tanks is to have a yearly visual inspection of your tank. Now, in the US, this is not required by the DOT, or Department of Transportation, but I do know that most local dive shops will not fill your tank unless you have these yearly inspections done. However, tanks are required to be sent off once every five years for a hydrostatic test, and this test is performed to inspect the integrity of your tank. Part of the reason why I started this podcast was to raise interest in boating and scuba diving, while also promoting safety. 
As a diver, I feel it's my personal obligation to warn new divers about sea life. If you ever decide to join us in this hobby, please, please, please never touch any coral or sea life. Coral is a living organism and touching it stresses it out which can cause coral bleaching, which ultimately means that that coral is going to die. Our coral reefs are dying and it's up to us to dive safely and respect our sea life. Please never take anything from the ocean when diving unless you're collecting trash or garbage that's found its way into the ocean or to our corals. If I missed anything here or if you have any questions, please ask me on our Instagram, at NarcosisPod, or on our Discord channel. Links to this can be found in the description of the episode. And again, I'm your host Alex and I want to thank you so much for listening to Narcosis Into the Deep. Check back Monday for the next episode where we'll cover a new diving or marine accident. If you listen this far, here's the hint on our upcoming episode. It's about two teenage boys who went missing off the coast of Florida in July 2015. Thanks again, and I'll see you all on Monday.